0: brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. There's an old expression that says, you're never too old to reinvent yourself. But is that really true? Well, there are countless stories of people who have done just that. There are people like Colonel Sanders, Henry Ford, Sam Walton, and even comedian Rodney Dangerfield, just to name a few. And on this podcast, we're going to discuss Reinventing Yourself. And to help us learn about this, I want to welcome my friend, Jean. She's going to tell her story, and hopefully it will inspire you to make that shift that you're looking to make. Jean, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm so glad you were able to take time to do this. And you have a very interesting story to tell because you've done a lot of things in your life. And I think it's going to be fun as we talk about them and talk about the whole idea of reinventing and starting over. Because I know that can be nerve wracking for some people when you get to a certain age, you just say, well, do I really want to do this? And if somebody out there is on the fence, I really think it'll help them by hearing some of the things that you've done.
1: I hope so. I hope I can inspire somebody. With my story.
0: Well, why don't you start by kind of telling us about you and where you came to uh, get where you are today?
1: Okay. So, my name is Jean DeLugash, and I will be 60 years old in April. And I am a Monet Market Partner and a Savvy Affiliate. So, I started my own business back in August of 2015. I was uh, what? Um, 54 years old, I think it was, I never really thought about starting my own business. I never really had a huge desire to be anything other than a mom, a wife, a daughter, and a, a dog mom. And so when I started with Monat, uh it was uh, something way outside of my comfort zone. I had done a few things before that. Which gave me the confidence to start my own business. The first thing being when I was 53 years old, I decided to take some modeling classes. And after I started the modeling classes, I was also in a powerlifting competition. So I trained for almost a year for that with a trainer who is a friend of mine. So I did that when I was 53 years old. After I did the powerlifting competition and got involved in the modeling classes from there, I was asked to be part of a Hollywood movie that was filmed here in Rochester, New York. So I did that. And in the midst of all that, I was working my Monet business.
0: That's pretty cool, especially getting to do some acting in a Hollywood movie. So how did that all come about?
1: Well, the agent that I was taking the modeling classes from. Her name is Mary Therese Friel, and she was actually Miss Universe in, I believe, 1979. And so I was taking some modeling classes with her and Susan Azer one of my friends, she owns Two Sues Casting, and she was looking for a stand-in for this movie. And so she went through Mary Therese Friel. They were looking for somebody that could take this, Little job on, and I got the job from that. That's great.
0: Yeah, and I'm familiar with Mary Teresa because she was, she's also a local, uh, famous Rochesterian. And I know a few friends who have either themselves or even their daughters have worked with her in the whole modeling industry. It's, uh, it, it, that's pretty fascinating. So here you were, you know, not the usual age in life that, you know, people think about somebody being a model when they're, you know, in their 40s and 50s, and you're taking these classes and all of a sudden it leads to really getting out of your comfort zone and being into a Hollywood movie. So which movie is it? And can we actually see you in it?
1: Yes, you can see me in it. So it's called The Tomorrow Man and John Lithgow and Blythe Danner are the two actors that are in it. I did not have any speaking part. Mostly I was Blythe's stand in. So I was a part of every scene that she was because I would be there to, so they could help with, you know, set the lighting and, and all in the angles and things like that. But I was an extra in a coffee shop scene about 20 minutes in to the movie. So you can clearly see that it's me sitting at a table next to John and Blythe when they're talking at a table.
0: You and I have had this discussion before, but I've also done some extra work in uh, in some local movie productions. Uh, and I know it's really fascinating, though, to see what is involved in just something as small as a scene like that and how much work you have to put in just to be an extra in a scene. You're just somebody in the background, but yet they really take a lot of time to go over these things and you really understand the movie business a lot more when you're involved in something like that.
1: Yes, you sure do. So I was in awe the first couple of weeks, really, because I had never done anything like that before in my life. So it was really fascinating for me. And they always said that you'll never look at a, you'll never watch a movie the same again, because you'll always think about the angles and how many takes it took, because each scene takes a gazillion takes, right? It's not just two takes. They do it from all these different angles and I had no idea. So it was really an eye opener for me. I, I thought it was really fascinating. I really liked it a lot.
0: Yeah. And it is amazing how many takes they they do, especially for the extra, because one of the scenes that I was in, it's funny because as many people know, who listen to the podcast, my former career, I was an investigator. So I got type cast in a couple of movies and they had me play like an investigator so it was just an extra so I would have to walk out of what was supposed to be the police station what was really funny is the building that they used for the police station in this movie and it's called King's Faith it was a school And they used an old middle school, but yet that was supposed to be where the police station was. And I would have to walk out of the station alongside who was one of the main characters and just walk down the street. And we must have done this thing like 15, 16 times just over and over and over again before they got the right take. It was pretty wild because, I mean, we weren't even sure if we were going to be in the scene or not because it just depends on when the camera was shooting the lead characters in their conversation because they're having this conversation next to one of the vehicles and we just walk by on the sidewalk. And it's pretty funny to see that, but yeah, I, I learned yes. a lot about that. Well, let me backtrack a little bit because, you know, we're talking about reinventing. So before you got into this, movie career, which is kind of more of an interesting hobby, I guess, before you started doing that, you started your own business. What were you doing before that? And what did you reinvent yourself from?
1: Good question. So I worked at an insurance agency in the town where um, we lived. I ended up um, leaving that job for no other reason than um, I was uh, just ready to move on And coincidentally, six or eight months later, my mom really needed some help. So we sold our house and we bought a two-family farmhouse in the town where we live now. And my mom came and lived in the apartment. So it really was a blessing that I left that job because I was home with her for about eight years and she didn't need a lot of care or anything like that. But she just needed somebody to kind of keep an eye on her and make sure that she, um, you know, didn't overcook the popcorn in the microwave and things like that. That's what I did for about eight years, just kind of kept an eye on her, did my own thing, mowed the lawn, you know, went to the gym, took care of the dogs, things like that. My son has grown and lives out of state, so he didn't need me to be with him every single minute. So I just was kind of at home, just doing my own thing, like I said, and when my mom moved on to assisted living, the farmhouse that we had was huge. I told my husband one day, I don't want to live here anymore. It's too big. And so we built a really tiny ranch, love where we live. I mean, it's, it's easy to take care of. So then I sat here with at literally nothing to do. I had nothing to keep me busy. I, I would go to the gym, but there's only so much working out you can do. That's when I kind of toyed with the idea of getting some sort of job, a part-time job, but I knew I wanted to work from home. That was the thing I wanted to do. That was a non-negotiable for me. So Monate just kind of fell into my lap. I was never looking to start my own business, but I was looking to find something where that I could work from home.
0: A lot of people are looking for uh, work from home situations right now. I know during this pandemic and all the things that are going on, a lot of people are in this situation where they were not working from home before. And a lot of the companies tried to adapt and to allow people to work from home. And now they're ending up going back to their offices and they're finding, oh, you know what? I really liked when I was working at home. So people are looking for a lot of opportunities out there. The interesting thing is I always believe that if we are willing to look for opportunities and willing to pay attention to those things that are out there in front of us, those doors will actually open up pretty quickly. I know I've worked with a lot of people who have gone through similar situations in your case, you were taking care of your mother and you know kids are getting a little bit older. But I, I run into situations with parents who, you know, their children get into high school and they start driving. They don't need to be taken care of as much. And the activities, it's just a change period in somebody's life where they're feeling that they're, they're not getting the rewarding of what they were doing before as a parent and, their job was just something that they did to kind of pay the bills and now they're really thinking well what do I want to do being able to help somebody to really find out what their passion is what their purpose is where they want to be in life what really makes them tick what do they enjoy so you found a business that involved you know helping people and you know tell me a little bit about how that fell into your lap and what is the most exciting thing about that business for you?
1: Most of the uh, business, when I first started, uh, was came from Facebook. And a friend of mine, really an acquaintance, she happens to be a neighbor, but we worked out at the gym together. And I saw her posting on Facebook that she had these samples of shampoo and conditioner. Did anybody want to try them? And I said, sure, I'll try them. And so she brought them over. And I tried them. I really, really liked them. At that time, I was really into essential oils. You know, I made my own toothpaste. I made my own mouthwash and all that good stuff, uh, trying to live a toxin-free lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle. And so I tried the samples. Really liked the the fact that they were clean products. Then I saw a few weeks later she posted on Facebook that she was looking for people to join her team. And it was kind of another blessing that I start, I used the samples and because I had been looking for something for six or eight months, because like you said, I really, I kind of lost my, my purpose in life a little bit. You know, I was kind of, I was bored. My husband was really super busy with his job. I really wanted to con- contribute to the household and, I, I felt like I wasn't really doing that. So I decided to join our team. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no clue how to work a business. I really didn't know how to use Facebook that much. I didn't know what uh, a direct sales company or an MLM was. I just jumped in. I just thought it's shampoo. How hard can it be? Um, Everybody, almost everybody washes their hair with shampoo. And so that was one of the things that I did outside of my comfort zone. And this is from someone who has basically been pretty shy my whole life. When I was little, I would hide behind my mom. Yeah, I was still a little on the shy side. It was really something that was outside of my comfort zone, but I knew it was something that I didn't want to pass up. I didn't want it to let it go by me. And so I did it. I just, I was scared, but I did it anyways. And that's how that started. And I just kind of, you know, my, my kit that I bought from the company sat on the dining room table for six or eight weeks. And then I just thought one day, you know what, you really need to get started with this. If you want to, if you want to make a go of it, you need to actually do something. And so that's what I did.
0: I love how you said you were scared, but you did it anyway, because I think fear is what holds people back. They're afraid of trying something new. And you know what? Life happens outside your comfort zone. I know that's a bit cliched and it's a quote that we often throw out there, but it is true because you'll never know. So give it a try. If it doesn't work out, then go on to something else. But you face that fear. You went ahead. You did it anyway. And it turned out to be something that was such a blessing for you because it's something that you enjoy. And I'm sure that if you could go back and make that decision again in your life, um, you would probably have made it a lot sooner.
1: Absolutely. I would have I would have done it sooner. uh, And I also would have started sooner. I mean, I didn't really miss out super too much in the first couple months. Although, you know, there's some special things that they offer uh, as far as earning money in the first three months of starting a business with this company, but I would have started sooner. I wouldn't have been so fearful because it's really nothing to be afraid of. It's just something that you have to embrace, not knowing what you're doing, being a little uncomfortable and reaching out for help when you need it, ask asking people in, that are already in the business. Yeah, I, I would definitely do it again. If I had I would definitely do it again.
0: What kind of reaction did you get from family and friends when you made this change in your life?
1: Yeah, that's another good question. Um so my husband is very supportive. Um I told him that I joined this company was going to sell shampoo. And he said, Oh, that's cool. You know, basically he he didn't really say a whole lot other than he's, you know, he supports me no matter what family and friends are a little different. They always say, don't, um, don't plan on building your business with family and friends. Uh, but I have three older sisters and they're all using the product. And I have some, a few family members And some friends are using it and, and, but mostly my, my customer base and my team is really people that I don't really know. So, you know, family and friends, sometimes they, you know, they may get a little nervous or think it's kind of weird that you're, you're doing something like that. You know, it's a pyramid scheme, which it is not, but that's what people think. I was very careful. I did, I did reach out to a lot of family members and things like that, but I was very careful not to bother them, because I know there's a there's a, a fine line there. So it was a little hard to with family and friends, you know, my fam- my sisters are very supportive. I'm thankful for that. But as far as you know, other family, it's, you know, it's it's they're supportive, I think they just maybe don't see the value in the products, which is fine. That can be a little touchy sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of us are looking for that, uh, you know, validation from people around us. And mostly that validation comes from people we know, family and friends. And when some of those people aren't giving you that, that's a tough road uh, to go down. But I think every one of us needs to realize that we're pursuing our own dreams. We're pursuing our own desires and it's what we want to do and the life that we want to build for ourselves. And just because someone is a member of our family or a friend, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to understand our goals and where we want to go. So I think that's important that, you know, you can still be friends with these people, but, you know, don't let the negativity that you hear get you down.
1: Absolutely. You have to be your, your biggest cheerleader you have to be that because sometimes you don't get it from your family and friends. And you can go to the people that are on your team, your upline, your downline, and they will be a cheerleader for you. You know, I'm not going to lie that, you know, some of it was, it was a little hard at first because I had no idea that friends wouldn't support you. And it's not that they don't support me, but you know, you kind of, your feelings get hurt a little bit, but I soon got over that because I learned that it's really not about them; it's about me working my business, and that's just what happens when you own a business.
0: Is there anything that you wish you had known before you made the change?
1: I don't think so, because if I had known, uh, maybe your family and friends wouldn't support you. Maybe you know, if I knew, if I knew my family and friends maybe didn't support me, or maybe they didn't respect my decision, or that you know, I might lose a few friends along the way. I don't think I'd wanna know that ahead of time. So I would say there's really, I wouldn't want to know any of that kind of negative side of it because it might've turned me off a little bit and scared me a little bit. Me going in, not knowing one bit about any of it was perfect for me and my personality.
0: Yeah, that's good. Everybody has values in their life. They value certainty and they value uncertainty. Certainty means like getting a paycheck. If someone wants to have a weekly paycheck every week, that's a certainty aspect, right? They know they're going to get paid no matter what happens. Some people like the adventure of uncertainty. They like to take risks. They like to do things. Some people like a little bit of both. But in the case of making the change for you, just the fact that there was some uncertainty there. And there was that comfort zone to kind of come out of that really gave you more motivation, it sounds like, to, uh, to go into that. And like you said, if you had known about some of these obstacles, like maybe your friends and family not being as supportive, you know, that might have made you think, oh, shouldn't I do that? I'm going to second guess this. That reminds me that a lot of us will overthink these things. When we're going to make a decision, we mull it over and over in our head. And, you know, I, one of the things I've learned is some of the most successful people in the world make decisions quickly and they stick with them.
1: Right. That's what I deal with a little bit. When somebody is thinking about joining my team uh, with Monet, they think about it a little too long and a little too hard. And then they just talk themselves right out of it. I mean, to start the to start the business with Monet, you could do that for as little as $99 or $199. So I don't think it's really the money. I think it's the fear, kind of like what I had. But I think sometimes people overthink it, like you said. And we always tell people, what's the worst thing that could happen? You have beautiful hair, you get a 30 to 55% discount, and you don't have to work the business if you really don't want to, if it doesn't work out. But the worst thing that can happen is that you're going to be using safe, healthy, great hair products, skincare products. And well, now we have wellness and body care products too. So there really is zero risk. And so I do think that sometimes people overthink it a little bit. Maybe, maybe they're thinking, what will my friends say if I do Mm -hmm. this? You know, I've, I've been with five other MLM businesses and what are they going to say when I join a sixth one? And what I say is it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you think. And if you want to do it, then go for it. It's, it's really pretty much a risk-free adventure.
0: That's interesting because the question <laughs> I was going to ask you next is if there's anybody else out there that are thinking about making a change in their life, whether it be do something down the avenue that... You took getting into some type of sales product uh and MLM or multi-level marketing or anything like that, or even starting up a business like a restaurant or something that they've always wanted to start. I just had brunch today at a restaurant that I go to. It's a local restaurant here in the Rochester area, and I love the place. And the young lady who runs the restaurant, her fa- her and her family run this, and she said. She, I worked as a waitress when I was like 17, but I really didn't have restaurant experience. This just kind of came up and I just decided, yeah, I'm going to do this. She just did. It's just a matter of saying, yes, I'm going to try this. And what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, the worst thing that can happen is it won't work out. Well, then where are you compared to where you were today? I mean, if it didn't work out, then you just go on and do something else.
1: Right. And what we say to people is, what if it does work out? What if it does work out? While I was on the set of the movie back in uh, October of 2017, I earned my Cadillac with Monet. So it can be done and you don't have to work the business full time. You do need a, you know, a nice team underneath you. But while I was on the movie, it was really exciting for me. And I earned my Cadillac while I was with Monet, while I was working the movie.
0: I love that. And you were someone you were someone who was kind of shy and this was not something that you would have been thinking of doing. It was out of your comfort zone, yet you still were able to get the support you needed, move up to earn this Cadillac while you were doing something else that was outside of your comfort zone being in this movie. So it's just the willingness to take that step. And that's really what it is. You know, I think of the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. If you're familiar with that movie, that's the one that Sean Connery was in, and he played Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford's father in the movie. Well, they had gone into this area where they were trying to find the Holy Grail. Well, anyway, there was this opening where it looked like Indiana Jones had to go over this Gorge. It was, and there was no bridge, no way to cross it. They talked about taking a leap of faith. If you haven't seen the movie, it's really cool. What happens is he takes this leap of faith, and you can Google it. Just Google Indiana Jones leap of faith, and you can watch the clip. And he takes this step, and what you realize is that there was this piece of wood that was right across this opening, this cavern that he was in, and you can't see it because. It blended in with the other side of the cliff, and it was only that he took, when he took that leap of faith and stepped down, that he landed and realized, hey, I'm going to be okay. So sometimes we just have to take a leap of faith, and we have to say, all right, I'm going to trust that I can do this. So is there anything else as someone who has done this in her life uh, that you would say to somebody who is out there maybe right now thinking, you know what, I really want to do this, even if it's something as as simple as going back to school, starting a business, maybe making a move, you know, maybe they've lived in the same area forever. And they're just saying, well, especially up here in Rochester, we're in one of those cold Rochester winters, and a lot of people are going, you know what, I really want to move down south, you know, to make a step to make a reinvention of yourself to do something different. What would you say to somebody who's on the fence right now?
1: Well, I would say, first of all, you know, take some baby steps, you know, you don't have to go like way across the, the cliff to the other side. But just start small, start with something that you're you think that you might be interested in if it's a job or if it's a move, you know, maybe do a little research, you know, like I didn't do any research with Monate or anything like that, but luckily I really lucked out with the company. But I would say, just think about it, you know, maybe do some praying about it and think about what you, you want for your future and what's in your heart. And what makes you feel good? Do you want to help help people? Do you want to go back to school? Do you want to start another job? Do you want to work from home? Do you want to stay home with the kids? You don't want to go to the office anymore. Think about those things and really kind of do some self-searching there and kind of figure out what you what you like and what you want to do. And I would say really don't let that fear hold you back because fear is such a liar. I mean, it really, really is. And if you just keep plugging along, think about what you want to do and just don't miss the opportunity before it goes away. That's what I would say is jump in. I mean, it's not gonna, most decisions are not gonna be a bad one if it's feeling like in your heart that it's something that you you need to do and that you should do. I say, go for it.
0: Yeah. And don't let fear get in the way though. I love the fact that you brought that up because that's usually what stops us. And sometimes our fear, you know, there's that fine line between fear and excitement. And sometimes you can't tell the difference. And I Mm -hmm. think we just got to ride that wave. And like you said, too, take one step at a time, put one foot in front of the other, and you'll, you'll get there. And no matter how old you are, whether you're maybe you're you're young still and you're still in your 20s and you want to make a change or you're listening now and maybe you're in your in your 50s like Gene was at the time, or you could even be older. I mean, I think about Colonel Sanders with his Kentucky fried chicken recipe going around and trying to sell this recipe and franchise his fried chicken. He had the restaurant, but he was trying to make that step. And he was much older in life when he finally succeeded. So it is never too late to make that change.
1: I agree. You're never too old to reinvent yourself. You, You really aren't. And just give it a shot, be brave, and you never know what changes are in store for you when you make that first step.
0: I love that. Well, Jean, if anyone wants to reach out to you, maybe hear a little bit more about you or about the products that you're involved with, what would be the way that they would reach out?
1: I'm on Facebook, uh, Jean Savastano Delugash, so you can find me there. I'm also on Instagram is Jean Delugash, and I have a website. My Monate website is www.mymonate.com backslash Jean Lisa. I figured Jean Lisa was a lot easier for people to spell than Jean DeLugash. (laughs) Um, So that's where Jean Lisa comes in. Those would probably be the best places to get in touch with me. You can email me my initials, JSD, JSD42 at Yahoo. That would be great. I would love to help anybody with their hair or their skin. But if even somebody wants a little bit of guidance on what they should do. Not even if it's joining my team, but maybe they're thinking about something else. I'm happy to talk with them about what I went through.
0: One more time to plug the movie. Cause I'm sure they can probably see that. Uh, maybe on Netflix or somewhere out there. It was, uh, I know you mentioned, uh, Blythe Danner and
1: John Lithgow.
0: That's right. John Lithgow,
1: John okay. Lithgow and Blythe Danner. And it's called the tomorrow man. And so Blythe Danner was the sweetest woman. We would, you know, they provide lunch for you every six hours. They have to provide a meal for you, and we would all almost always sit next to each other. And she was always worried I wasn't going, I wasn't eating enough, so she would want me to take a to-go bag. And John Lithgow was really very nice. I was a little intimidated by him because he's so big and and so tall. But one day when we were at a shoot in Fairport, he asked me to help him study his lines. So I have a picture of the both of us um, sitting on a front porch and he I was helping him study, study his lines. I'm sure he didn't really need my help. But that was really exciting for me. He was he's a really nice man. And she is a beautiful woman.
0: I love it. If you hadn't gotten outside your comfort zone, you would have never gotten the opportunity, you know, to meet these people and just to have that photograph, which I'm sure it's something, you know, that you'll always cherish. And that'll be a memory that you'll always have. So let me ask the last question. And it's something I ask all my guests. And that is just simply, what does being purposely positive mean to you?
1: Well, I think that the way you said it, we have to be positive on purpose because there's so much out there right now. And even 10, 12 years ago, whenever, there's so much that can, a lot of negativity, a lot of things that can bring us down. And I think it's important to always stay positive, look on the bright side of things. And so I want to stay positive because I think it's healthier for me. It's, you you know, it's stress-free um i'm trying to live a healthy lifestyle with the products i'm using the clothing i'm wearing the working out the eating and so i think that's all a positivity thing and when we get down when we get negative it really takes a toll on us so purposely being purposely positive to me means being healthy
0: oh i like that that yeah that's what that uh, means to me and being healthy doesn't necessarily mean it's all. It's just physically healthy and eating right and exercising, but it's also being emotionally healthy and it's being healthy on the inside and outside because like we said, there's so much negativity around us and we can get sucked into that very easily. And one of the reasons why I started the podcast is because I wanted some positive content out there in the world. So reinventing yourself is also another way to be healthy.
1: Right. Yes. I think that, um, I think that was the best thing I could have done for myself at the time, because, you know, I was feeling a little down and, you know, probably getting a little negative about myself, my life, you know, that it really was a, a quite a pick me up for me. And it, it put me on the right track. And I still have my, my days when, you know, maybe I'm not quite so positive, but I think that it, it's um, to be positive, healthy, emotionally, spiritually, physically is a a big deal. That's how I try to live my life.
0: That's great. Well, Jean, thank you so much for taking the time and for being willing to share your story today. And I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. I loved it. Thank you so much.
0: And you've been listening to Strive to Thrive, the purposely positive podcast brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you know, you might be out there thinking, I want to reinvent myself. I want to do something different. I want to make a change. Reach out to me at TonyWCoaching.com and we can put a plan in place. And even if you don't have time for that, there's a free ebook you can download called Strive to Thrive, which will help you to get on the path to that purposely positive life.